Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter podcast, series three, episode 20. I can't believe we're on episode 20. I can't believe we've nearly finished series three. No, no, three more to go. And um, we really have already finished it because Mm. episode 20 to 24, I think it is. um, We're talking about groups that even I haven't really heard of. Mm. Um, Some of them I had, but yeah, on the the whole. Majority. The majority I hadn't. And I've added them because some of the songs appear in some of the 80s compilations I have. Oh, that's interesting. So they weren't big. So um, it's like, why is, I've never heard of that group. You look them up and you think they never even had a hit. Mm. But I've added them because, as I say, they obviously had a little imprint in the 80s scene. Um, So uh, we'll find out how much of an imprint they had. Yeah. So the, the groups you or the bands you had last week to listen to were Devo, Cheap Trick, Our Daughter's Wedding, <laughs> B Movie, The Go Go's, and The Fix. Yeah, obviously never heard of any of those. Yeah, so I don't need to ask any number ones because <laughs> Do you know I what? can assure I... you. There weren't. When I was writing my notes, because I use the same template every week, number ones were there, and I was like, none. And then I was like, there's no point even saying none, because we know that. Yeah, there's no number ones, because (laughs) these are the songs, these are the groups that didn't even get a top 40 hit. Also, I thought, so I thought. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm. But we are talking Dad Educates Daughter on 80s music. Yeah. So, hence, they didn't have any hits in the 40s. Um, So, yeah. So, let's talk music. Let's talk Devo. Yeah. Devo. So, before I go on to them, as a whole... um, because I don't want to repeat everyone. I'm just intrigued to see how these groups went about without getting any hits. Because I'm guessing they were signed to record labels. So they had money behind um, to do like videos. And it's crazy that because even though they didn't hit like getting our top 40, they're still like accessible. So I'm wondering whether some of them hit in other countries and it's maybe just ours. That they didn't hit begin, but we'll find out. Okay. But yeah, with um, Devo, Devo, uh, Devo, Devo, Devo whichever. Um, whichever. I've way. gone with synth pop, and I think they're they're a four man band, and I think they're really early eighties. They like experiment experimenting with the sounds of like the synthesizer, and they've put quite a lot of thought into their videos. Songs are quite similar to one another, and they're quite fast-paced. They've got program sound, so it's hard to differentiate between each song. Um, they seem to have done a lot more than what you've just given me, because when you type it in your YouTube, loads of their songs come up. So they've definitely got a, a big catalogue, I'd say. Um, them, in general, they like to dress up in their videos and match one another. They all wear some sort of eyewear, but the lead vocalist, always seems to wear a pair of goggles 
like it's really odd um and there's a theme with most of the videos so like i saw astronauts i saw cowboys and there was one where they were wearing like just same black costume but they had a weird flower pot looking thing on their head so they like to play around with their style and this week i've looked at comments on youtube just to get a bit more of a deeper thought into each of the bands with them not being hits yeah and um, so the comments that stood out to me uh there was someone that described this band as their original their iconic um and then there was someone else going they're a bit bizarre <laughs> so they've got like the balance there um and someone said that they got cheated out of the rock and roll hall of fame so i thought that was interesting because that likes to pop mm. up so someone thinks they should have been in it so i don't yeah. know if they've got a bit of rock in there but i just thought it pop. okay so they are you I'll, I'll, I'll go into them first so um they are mark mother's Bore, b-a-u-g-h mother's bore bow buff both you know me and pronunciations it's probably nothing like that <laughs> he was vocals keyboards and guitar okay. gerald casal bass vocals and synthesizer bob casal guitar and keyboards bob mother mother's bow boar again however it is the <laughs> vocals and guitar and Alan Myers on drums. However, Alan left in 1986 and was replaced with Dave Kendrick. Between 1974-75, wait for this, Jim Mothersbaugh was in the band as the drummer, but obviously he he was only there for one year. So he was there for the four. So in a sense, two lots of, so the Mothersbaughs and the Casals yeah, formed the group. One of the brothers left and was replaced by Alan Myers on drums, who then obviously left in 1986 and was replaced with David Kendrick. But otherwise, it's two mother's balls and two casals. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they were formed in 1973. So oh. I, they're quite early. They're all very early. Uh, right. They were formed in Akron, Ohio, US. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. In the US. Yeah. And they're a synth pop new wave band. So well done. Okay. So I would say they were an early ver or similar, Ameri an American early version of Craftwork. Because yeah. they were probably around the same time as Craftwork. Yeah. Obviously, they were the American were mm -hmm. and Craftwork were Europe. Craftwork obviously went on to do, do a lot things. of big things. Devo, as far as over in, as far as internationally goes, didn't but okay did they in america we will find out yeah so the name devo comes from de-evolution as oh. the members of the band believe mankind had began to regress rather than continue to evolve so as you said someone said they're bizarre there you yeah. go so there's that bizarreness coming out so yeah so gerald and bob casal along with mark mothersbaugh Bob Lewis, Rob Reisman, and Fred Weber uh, formed the band, although Rod Reisman and Fred Weber left later that year in 1973. So Fred Weber was on vocals originally, um, and then obviously Mark Mothersbaugh took over as uh, the lead. Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. um, while Wob Wiseman was on drums, and obviously he then got replaced by Mark Mothersbaugh's brother, Jim. Mm -hmm. Okay, with yeah. me so far? Yeah. It is a bit. Bit of a switching um, around. Yeah, yeah. So while Mark's other brother, Bob, replaced Fred Webber. Oh, so there ended up being three of the mother boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. so you've got Bob, Mark, and Jim. Jim. Mm -hmm. And you've got Gerald and Bob Casal. So you've got two Bobs. Two Bobs. <laughs> so two here. families. Yeah. However, as I said, um, he left, Jim left in 1974. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in 19... So here, here answers one of your questions. In 1977, mm. the band released their first single... Mongoloid, Mongoloid, right? Mongoloid, um, which had Jacko Homo as the B side. Now, Jacko Homo was later to be re released as a single itself, right? Okay, which obviously so was one that. of the ones you you listened yeah. to, yeah, yeah. Um, so this was followed by a cover of the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, right? Yes, okay. I when when you sent me that one, I was like, I thought these were meant to be songs that I probably wouldn't know because as soon as I saw, I can't get no satisfaction. I started singing it in my head, and then when I listened to it, I was like, that's not what I was singing. So I must yeah. have been singing that version. The, so they done a cover of the Rolling Stones, but obviously yeah. their version. And I think it's that. So in America, or not just America, um, probably wide. They're they're known as a joke band, a novelty band, oh. even though they they is don't it, like that, but. They played to it, obviously. Yeah. I, would, I certainly wouldn't call them a joke band, yeah. whatever. I but I think because of the way they, 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 they style themselves, so to speak, and um, the fact that, obviously, they, they took on a cover of a song that was there, you know, if you're going to cover a song, then, you know, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones isn't probably, especially when... You can't live up to you, them, can you? No, no. So, and obviously they've done it a completely different way, as you say. Yeah. So, hence, I suppose they got the joke band on, hmm. on the back of that. More having a bit of fun with it. Yeah. So they released both of these, so Mongoloid and um, the cover of I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Yeah. On their own label... Boogie Boy. Oh. So that's how they get, that's how they first of all done it. They, they, they set up their own, own label and done, release it themselves. Then in 1978, they uh, released an EP called Be Stiff. Okay. So it would have. Um, and it was released by the British independent label Stiff Records. Oh, yeah. Which the single, Be Stiff. Yeah. The band came to the attention of David Bowie. And it was what? on his... Yeah. And it was on his recommendation, along with Iggy Pop, that the band signed a recording contract with Warner Brothers. So sometimes it's through word of mouth by someone being already in the industry. Yeah. Like a chance as well. Like a bit of luck. So they started off on their own label. Then signed up to an indie label. Yeah. And, and then, then good old David as I say, of all the people in the world to get to the attention of is David Bowie. 
Um, so he obviously went to his record label. I think you need to sign these. Iggy Pop did the sat. Obviously said, yeah, I I agree, sort of thing. Yeah. And so the record label did. What have they got to lose? Bad. You know. Oh, now I feel a bit gutted for them. So in 1978, after signing to Warner Brothers, the band released their first album, um, which was called, now wait for this, Question, and it's, it's just a Q, so question, are men not men? Answer, just the A, we are Devo. That was their first that. album. Q, are we not men? Are A, we are Devo. That is their first album. I mean, it gets people talking, doesn't it? So yeah. clever in that sense, but just a bit odd. So after charting well in the UK, reaching number 78 in the album chart, which number 78, when we've listened to others, isn't a bit, but these are from America. We've never heard of them. Um, you've got yeah. to think synth pop, even in 1978, is still very yeah. early. It's not you know, bad. so they've they've released a whole album and it got to number seventy eight, which you know, seven, in late seventies you're still in disco. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, and we, you know, um, it's like their Newman, OMD, all those they're still underground. They haven't they haven't raised they've above the parapet yet. No, so been. in a sense, Devo probably were one of the pioneers of synth pop in this country. Yeah, that's true. If, if you think in that sense, or... they've released a whole album in 1978. We didn't hear the cars until 1979. We didn't really hear over here um, craft work until the model in 1980. Mm. I mean, they were they were already making it big, obviously, in Germany and over there. But yeah. as far as in the UK, we off. hadn't really come across them yet. No. So an album, to, you know, as I say, yes, num 90, uh, number 78 doesn't seem a lot, but Actually, that's a, still a, quite a few people time. buying it and getting it into the charts. Yeah. Sorry, no, I've just read that one. I thought that. So it charted well in the UK and it reached number 78 in the US Billboard Hot 200. That's even better. So, well, yeah, but they're American anyway. So they are literally leading the charge in America of synth pop. Yeah, but over here they've not. I'm just going to check where it comes because I've written down it done very well, but I haven't obviously written where it charted. What over here? Wow, wow! wow. I've done them a disservice. Number twelve in the charts over here. The album that's amazing. The album got to number twelve. Yes, and that's in 1978. 1978. So before Gary Newman, yeah. before, so, well, I say before, I don't know if the Tubeway Army had lit, released an album before then. They may well have, whether it had done anything, though, because it wasn't really yeah, until. Were, like in the 70s, that's amazing because it worked, like it was way before its time. Yeah. So Cars, Cars come out in, I'm pretty sure, 79. And then the model. Um, and then the model was 1980. But obviously Crawford and Gary Newman stroke Tubeway Army they were around before then but still this was probably one of the first albums i mean i know um human league had obviously the original human league yeah um they were obviously releasing um being boiled around yeah. this time as well um so yeah so you you did exactly. have you it, it was it was starting to make a breakthrough but yeah i, I think 1978 the album getting to number 12 uh, yeah. is um quite quite something and in new in new zealand it got to number seven 
Wow. Right. So, okay. yeah. so now I'm intrigued. Now you've got my full attention. I mean, not that you had it before, but now I really want to know how they can have a number 12, like, charting album and then what happened like how were they not then getting bigger how would they beat like i don't get it um i would say and i'm sure as i read through it it'll, i mean because it doesn't really answer it anywhere any of these notes because they were successful just yeah. not over here okay. so i just don't think they were promoted Maybe they didn't push as well them as the so you got to think they're they're the same music as all those bands we've just mentioned. Human yeah. League, uh, I mean, even Human League didn't get off they straight away. Ultravox, Ultravox didn't get off straight away. No. You know, it, it took a a few um, bat changes and obviously Majeure joining before they even um, yeah. done something because obviously Majeure had been in two bands before. Yeah, so um, they didn't hit it off. So I suppose if you're not if you're not being promoted as well, but you're successful in your own country, you're just going to... Going to carry on you know, with that. And at the end of the day, if you're successful in America, most, most, you'll make you more money in America. America. So, you're not you know, unfortunately, whereas Craftwork and, as I say, all the others that I've spoke about, OMD, Human League, Gary Newman, they were obviously getting the airwave, getting, the, you know, getting on top of the pops right. and that. So yeah. Devo sort of, and I suppose like you said, when someone said they were cheated out of, I mean, I wouldn't say rock and roll anyway, but um, no. in a sense, if there was a, a, pop, a synth pop hall of fame, Devo should be in it. Yeah. But would they? Because yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, if someone said Devo, I'd have went, who? Because they yeah. never done it over here. And the one song that did do it over here, I don't even like. So, you know, but we'll come to that. The band then released a second album in 1979 called Duty Now for the Future. But it didn't really do better than their first album. So in the US, it charted, sorry, oh, it did, it did a little better, should I say. So in the US, it charted at number 73, whereas the one before was, 90, was 78. So it's sort of done okay. But I mean, when you come to the UK, number 49. Oh, so it. So it's gone from number twelve to number forty-nine, which is still good. Yes. As I was just, good, as I was just thinking, not. they got number seventy-eight in the UK, and I was bigging that up. So mm. it's still, you know, as an album, forty-nine. But New Zealand love them. In New Zealand, oh. it got to number thirteen. Oh wow! So um, the first one got to number seven over there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still a bit, but not enough. It hasn't dropped like a lead balloon like um, in the UK, number twelve to forty-nine. No, like, yeah, that's um, uh, you know. So it's a little improvement in the US. Um, a little improvement in Australia. It went from so the first one was fifty-seven in Australia, got to fifty. This one got to fifty-one. So a little improvement again in Australia. And then in the two that it did, the, the first album did well. It's it slipped down, but obviously that's New Zealand, good. it's still number 13 still is still good yeah that's still the best charting so now we're going into 1980 and guess what they release enough so they're literally releasing an album a year album a year yeah okay so their third album freedom of choice that hit number 22 on the u.s billboard wow so that's the best one over there huh? so yes and Although it flopped in the UK at number 47, 
although it's still better than the still one better. originally 49. And as I say, 47 yeah. still, in early days of synth pop, I would still say it's that's still, good. Yeah, still up there. Um, however, in New Zealand, it got to number nine. And in Australia, it got to number five. Oh. So that is now their best charting album. That's good, isn't it? Another. In, and it's in Australia, so number five. Um, while the lead single, Whip It, also saw chart success, hitting number 14 on the US Billboard Hot 100, as well as number eight on the US Dance Chart, while also reaching number 11 in both New Zealand and Canada. Wow. However, it flopped in both Australia and the UK, failing to break the top 40. Ah. So there you go. And that's the, the single that is on a compilation that I've got. Whip it, that is. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it, personally. You don't like it? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why. I suppose I'm used to... I suppose... I've heard it after other synth pop songs. I suppose yeah, if I heard it raw, I'd have thought, oh, this is because obviously that's my kind of music. But I suppose because I heard it late, I've, mm. to me, it's too it's raw now. And I didn't know it. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think, I don't know, because I should like it. Um, so 1981 saw the studio's studio album New Traditionalist. Uh, which charted at number 23 in the US, number six in New Zealand, and number three in Australia. Ooh. Number 50 in England, or UK. Okay, so not that. And uh, number 32 in Canada. So, which isn't bad either. No, no, no. The um, single, Beautiful World, which was released on the back of that, mm -hmm. um, Done well in both Australia, number 14, and New Zealand, number 15. They're doing good over there. So they're definitely um, probably the pioneers, I would say, because um, maybe Australia looked more to the American synth pop. Mm, yeah. And maybe, I don't know how um, like the likes of Craftwork and all the UK ones did because they can i can't remember when we when we spoke through them but i would say that's that's pretty good by devo to do um what they're doing over there oh 100 so i'm just trying to find out where it done in the us that single but um it didn't it didn't even chart so it only charted in the us and australia beautiful okay. world okay um so guess what 1982 we're now at and it's all the fifth studio album released wow. so they've done a lot yeah they as i say an album a year however that only charted at number 47 in the us and completely flopped in australia number 57 so um they 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 had this you know they were doing well yeah in australia with their they're out the last previous two albums Maybe and people then... singles, oh. and then suddenly they release this one and it flopped. But then I guess so, there's only so much of the sounds that you can hear. And yeah, so and the album's called Oh No, It's Devo. However, in New Zealand, they're still popular with the album charting at number 10. Ooh. However, the lead single, Peekaboo, 
That made number six in the US dance chart, but flopped everywhere else. Oh, okay. So, so they're pretty the much on, on, the, on the decline now. Yeah. Um, the band were then asked to do the theme tune for the 1983 film Dr. Detroit, which starred Dan Aykroyd. However, the single only made number 59 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and flopped everywhere else. Much the same as the film, I think, because I don't really recall it, to be honest. I think it was probably one of Dan Aykroyd's very first films. Um, but yeah, didn't wasn't one I, I had to look it up. So uh, hence how I found out that Dan Aykroyd was the star. And oh. I thought, never heard of it. And um, so obviously, like the single, the film, I think, also went the same way and flopped. Right, okay. Which just shows you, had, this, had the film been successful, Maybe. you don't know. You never no. know. No, and you never... Not that, I mean, obviously you've listened to... I have not listened to the theme of Dr. Detroit, I must say. You have, so we'll get your views on that later. Mm -hmm. um, as to whether, had the film been a success, the, it could have turned them round with that... Yeah, yeah. With this, the single. So, um, yeah, their um, 1984 album, Shout only charted at number 83 in the US Billboard Hot 200 chart. Um, and this saw the band's success in both Australia and New Zealand ended as they didn't even enter the charts again. Right, okay. So that was it. That's kind of hit them right down, isn't it? So in America, the follow-up albums, Toto Devo, Total Devo got to number 189, and then Smooth Noodle Map didn't even chart. They had oh. some weird album very titles weird. i must say very weird so they both flopped and then the band broke up so that would have been what 1984 was that 85 i'm considering they formed in 73 so yeah 73 yeah 78 they started really churning yeah. out the music so yeah. yeah so however in 1996 the band played a reunion concert and in 2010, released their ninth studio album, Ooh. Something for Everybody, which charted at number 30 on the US Billboard, their best charting position in the US since 1981's New Traditionalist when it reached number 23. Oh. And that weren't even the greatest hits. No, 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 it's a ninth oh, studio yeah. album. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in February 2014, Bob Casale died age 61 from heart failure and proceeds from the band's upcoming 40th anniversary tour went to support Casal's family so they were doing a tour later that year yeah 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 2014 obviously for 40 years yeah. and um because obviously he'd passed the proceeds of that tour went to support his family Oh, which is quite yeah yeah and when you think that you know they haven't made it big well they i mean they have they've definitely in australia I mean, and new zealand yeah, and to a degree have. in america yeah um but they weren't they're not seen as a as a you know a big band i wouldn't have thought um, and they're not on people's minds when they think of it i thought that was a nice touch from them yeah so like, as far as the uk considering yeah, so, making that much anyway no, well, no, and you, I mean, when you tour, there's a lot of outgoings as well, anyway, because you yeah. have all your touring like backroom staff work. and what have you. You have to book the venues that cost money, so you know, they're 
there's a lot of money that goes into a tour as well which yeah. um people need to remember when they're paying for tickets and they say oh that's a lot problem is that venues and that are probably putting their prices up especially after the the last couple of years we've had and um yeah. that's going to then put prices up as well so mm -hmm. so yeah so as far as the uk went they only had one top 20 album which was obviously the 1978 yeah. q are we not men a no we are devo as in the q being question a yeah. being answer mm -hmm. and as i say it got to number 12 so that was it as far as that was their... it Oh, all the rest of their albums hit out of the yeah. well, uh, so even probably weren't even released over here to be honest. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true, and that's probably the same with some of the singles. Um, however, the singles that were, yeah, so in 1978, I Can't Get No Satisfaction actually charted at number 41. That's not bad. Um like i've already said i thought it was a song that i knew just based on the title um the only problem with it is it's a constant sing 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 it's like they don't take a breath like i i, I don't know how they survive till the end of the song um yeah i don't think they take a breath they weren't bad it weren't bad it just weren't what i was expecting no so then obviously on the back of that success they released what was their b-side um to mongo mon mon mongoloid yeah um which was in 1978 so jo uh, sorry this is in 1978 but instead of it being so mongoloid was their first single released yeah with joko jo joko homo yeah being the um b-side B -side. well after i can't get no satisfaction rather than they didn't whether they'd released mongoloid over here and it just never tried. I don't know. But they then instead they released the B single, mm -hmm. B side as an as a lead single over here. After yeah. I can't get no satisfaction. That was in 1978 as well. So Joker Homo got to number 62. Now just on Joker Homo, there's some there's a bit of um, background with it. Go on. Um. So where was it? Where did I read it? Now that I want to see it, I can't. So basically, one of the, one of the um, I think it was one of the mothers bore. Um, yeah, so here we go. So mothers bore. I don't know which one. Right. I think it's Mark. Mark. Yeah, Mark. They so around 1970, the Casals met Mark Mothers bore, mm. a talented keyboardist who had been playing with the band Flossie Bobbit. Mother's Ball brought a more humorous feel to the band. So he was obviously become the lead singer. Yeah. And he was the one who obviously wore the goggles and things. Um, so he introduced them to material like the pamphlet Jocko Homo Heaven Bound, which includes an illustration of a winged devil labelled De-Evolution. Now, obviously, we know we, they take their name Devo from De-Evolution. And um, this would later inspire the song Jocko Homo. So the pamphlet, so the song actually came from a pamphlet, Jocko Homo Heavenbound, um, which was some kind of devil labelled Devolution. So yeah, um, and then the joke Devolution became serious following the Kent State massacre on the fourth of May, nineteen seventy. Uh, 
and the event would be cited multiple times as the impetus for forming the band Devo. So there we go. It come from a Kent State massacre. And oh. that's where they were saying, obviously, about humankind has gone backwards because we're killing each other, I yeah. suppose, massacre, yeah. rather than evolving. Yeah, so that's where it comes from. So there you go. Um, and just on you saying about, I was going to say earlier, you said about the gog, them wearing goggles. Yeah, it did yeah, remind yeah. me of um, Notting Hill when Hugh Grant couldn't find his glasses and went to the cinema uh, yeah. wearing goggles. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, we digress. So, yes, 1978, Jocko Homo, number 62. Mm. Well, I took it as a song about themselves. But now, obviously, you've explained where the song comes from. I get it, because they're talking about humans and now humans have digressed. So I get it now. Get that. Mm -hmm. There's just lots of sounds in there, though. So it weren't a, it weren't a good one for me. 1978, Be Stiff, number 71. Oh, this is just fast-paced. It's got a good beat in it, though. I liked that. 1978, Comeback Johnny. Number 60. So I could have got into this one a lot more if I knew what they were saying. That's the only. That's one of the problems with these. They're just very fast-paced. Like I've already mentioned, they don't really take a breath in. I can't get no satisfaction. And like in all the others, they're just really fast. Like they've got so much to say in the time of a song that they just get it all out. So you don't really understand what they're saying half the time. 1980 whip it number 51 now you said you don't like this 51 i might have to go back to it number 51 yeah i might have to go back to it but yeah it's, it does come up on quite a few 80s compilations but um, it's what it's what probably like devo it. are known for over in this country um mm. it's obviously in it's the first single in the 80s yeah. Um, so it fitted in well in the early 80s with what was yeah. about at the time. Yeah. And I suppose I just overlook it because it's, I, you know, when you've got the car, you got, sorry, Gary Newman the, with cars, um, Craftwork oh. model, yeah. OMD's early stuff, Human League early stuff, you know, and all the other yeah. early synth pops, electronic yeah. stuff that's coming out. Um, I think Devo got lost. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, but Whip It, to me, is the most catchy song they've got. It was nearly my favourite. Um, but what lets it down is, it's, I don't know, there's like some inappropriateness about it. Mm. That lets it down for me. Okay. And in 1983, theme from Dr. Detroit, number 98. Oh, this was my favourite from them. Wow. Um, it's got my head bopping like Whip It and Theme from Dr. Detroit are like the best two that they've released I think um, Theme from Dr. Detroit has, has got different elements to the sounds like it's got a bit more in there like they're coming into themselves a bit more so, yeah. so if the film had been a success which I don't think it was I've never heard of it I don't think it was a success I might be might be doing it a disfavor you know discredit but um yeah. I don't recall that film at all right. now if that film had been a box office you know a bigger success a obviously big we're talking success. 80s early 80s we're talking ET 
Crocodile Dundee, yeah. um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, um, all all the real Goonies, you know, Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off. There were so many classics, even the John Hughes, you know, Pretty in Pinks and Elmo's Fire. Um, doc, what's it called? Dr. Detroit. That, yeah. It just doesn't come anywhere near them. I, no. I've never heard of it personally. If it was big, though, I if it had been big... Do you think that would have the song would have been big? I mean, you obviously like 100. it, and it could have lifted the. You know, I mean, yeah, um, pretty in pink done great things for psychedelic furs and OMD. Yeah, you know, so um, well, I think if Doctor Detroit was bigger, then the song would have been bigger, and then Devo would have got bigger off of the back. Yeah, of it. I, I say would... the same about um, furniture with brilliant minds and the film that was in, which was. I've forgotten which oh. film it was now. Um, but if that film had been bigger, and I think that was a John Hughes film, I think that furniture could have been much more on the um, on the landscape, you know, yeah. um, of people's minds. But, yeah. Okay. So that was Devo. So it'd be interesting to see later on whether you think um, they should have been a hit or they were... Right to not be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we move on to the second band, Cheap Trick. Yeah. So I've gone for rock with these. They've got music that's enjoyable and sing along, as well as the more rock music. So they've got like you know a bit of a balance in them. They know how to change things up so they can target a variety of people, um, and they play around with a variety of sounds. And it was hard to choose a favourite, not going to lie. Um, the people in the band, they're not your typical rock stars. So whether there's another genre in there, but I think they're just rock. They keep it simple with the videos, just doing live performances. They like a bit of dark lighting. Um, and some comments that I saw that stuck out to me, they're fun, legendary live. And some people even have... Um, reminisce about times they got to see them in small bars and venues before they made it big. So I'm intrigued at where they made it big that these people are on about. Okay, so Cheap Trick. Rick Nielsen, guitar and bass. Tom Pettersson on bass. Bun E. Carlos on drums. Drummers always have funny names, don't they? Yeah. I think we've said this before. Mm. Randy Hogan on vocals. However, he left in 1974. Robin Zander vocals from 1974. So he took over. And John Bryant on bass joined in 1981 to replace the departed Tom Pettersson. Okay. Right. So they were formed in 1973 in Rockford, Illinois, US. Yeah. And they are arena rock, pop rock, also a bit of power oh, pop. Okay. But, and hence someone saying the good lives. Obviously, the arena rock is what they're known mm, for. Mm. So Rick Nielsen and Tom Pettersson formed the band in 1967 in Illinois as Fuse, F-U-S-E. Oh, okay. Shortly after Bunny Carlos joined on drums, Fuse then moved to Philadelphia in 1971 and they then called themselves Sick Man of Europe. 
Oh, so it's gone through a few name changes. Yeah. After a European tour in 1973, which Carlos didn't go on, he went actually back to Illinois. Oh, okay. Nielsen and Pettersson returned to Illinois. So instead of going back to Philadelphia, they actually went back um, home. Yeah. And they reunited with Carlos and called themselves Cheap Trick. Okay. After being inspired by Slade while on tour, um, Pettersson, because so they were inspired by, by Slade, and Pettersson had commented at a Slade concert that they went to how the band used every cheap trick in the book as part of their act, and hence the cheap trick. Ah, quite clever. So the trio brought in Randy Hogan as their lead singer. However, he left shortly after their formation and was replaced by Robin Zander. With Zander on vocals, the band recorded a demo in 1975 and got signed to Epic Records. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. Which are quite a big, you know, that, yeah, 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 yeah. I think Wham! were originally with I Epic Records. I know we've records. heard of like Epic so, Records quite yeah. often. So the band released their debut album, Cheap Trick, in, the early, in early 1977. However, it failed to chart, as did the only single released from the album, Old Candy. So then their second album, In Colour, was released later that same year, and it reached number 73 on the US Billboard Hot 200 mm-hmm. album chart. However, neither of the two singles, I Want You To Want Me, or Southern Girls Charted. Ah, okay. So their third album, Heaven Tonight, was released, and that reached number 48 on the Billboard Hot 200, while the single Surrender charted at number 62 on the Billboard Hot 100. They also saw success in Australia at number 32 in the singles chart, and New Zealand at number 9, and Belgium number 8. Australia. So the single done very well. Yeah. In both New Zealand and Belgium. Um, However, the second single release, California Man, failed to chart. So it's it's sort of stop and start, stop and start. Yeah. Um, So later that same year, the band released a live album, Cheap Trick at Budacan, um, which was a major success. It charted at number four on the US Billboard Hot 200. Hence, they became known as a live band because their live album actually right, did done very that. well. Mm-hmm. While um, in Japan, it got to number 12. In the Netherlands, it got to number 10. And it got to number two in New Zealand. And wait for this, number one in Canada. God, so... They've been up there. So, as well as seeing moderate success in Sweden, number 26, and the UK, number 29. So, the single that they released was a re-release. Well, it wasn't a re-release because it's now a live version, but one of that they've already... already. Um, it's obviously a song they, they think is a hit, even though it flopped the first time. And that's I Want You To Want Me. So they released that from the live album. So it's now a live version. Yeah. And um, it got to number one in both New Zealand and Belgium, as well as number two in Canada and number seven 
on the Billboard Hot 100. Right. So it flopped completely, completely. when they released it as a single a year earlier. They released the live album with that as a single, and suddenly they got a number one hit. That's mad. So it also gave the band their only top 40 in the UK on the back of this success. So there you go, top 40. So on the back of this success, the band released a fourth studio album. Well, I say, yeah, was it fourth, third? I'm losing, yeah, fourth, fourth. Fourth. Yeah, because we've had had Cheap Trick. Live one, Cheap Trick. Colour. Yeah. Heaven Tonight, which was the third album, and now um, the fourth album, which is Dream Police. So it made the top 10 in Australia, number seven. Um, The US, number six. Canada, number four. Japan, number four. And in New Zealand, number two. They're proper popping, like these groups are proper popping up in Australia and New Zealand and Canada. Yeah, yeah. Which are obviously similar tastes Mm. to America. And not, yeah. you know, obviously Europe, Europe's music is a bit different. Mm. Or, and we've seen that. Robbie Williams never really made it, did he? No. And yet we've seen other groups that make it in America, but haven't over here. It just shows you. Just, different, it, yeah. Kind, different, different. different they've got different ears. Yeah. Um, although in Europe it flopped, making a number 21 in the Netherlands, number 31 in Sweden. Number 41 in the UK, so just just outside. Mm. Um, and number 56 in Germany. But. I didn't actually give you that one, did I? Oh, no, that's the album, so yeah, because that's the yeah, album, okay. Dream Police, yeah. 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 Um, so the band um, have released 20 studio albums in total. Okay. With the most How recent being in... Yeah. Well, the most recent is 2021. Wow. So they're still going. So they're still going. Yeah. While 1988's Lap of Luxury album was their last success, charting at number 11 in Canada, 14 in Australia, and 16 in the US, with the singles The Flame and Don't Be Cruel also charting well, with Don't Be Cruel peaking at number four, in the US and Australia, mm. number six, and also New Zealand was number four. Wow. So that was their last choose. That their last success well, was really nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, but they've still obviously been going. They're still going. They've obviously so, got a fan base in these other countries. Yeah. While the flame was the band's best ever single, reaching number one in the US, Canada, and Australia. Wow. And isn't it mad how they can do so well in these other countries? Yeah. And all oh, right, they might not have released over here, but over here, they're just not known. So the flame did was released over here because you've had it and we'll find out where that came. Um, obviously, not as well as um, as uh, other places. Now, I'm just going to check with the US to see if it's. Um, if it was the actual billboard or um, something no yeah it was so they got a number one on the billboard hot 100 with the flame so there you go in 1988 wow 
and yet over here they're not even really considered a, not even as, a, as a you know so yeah but just wait till you go through their songs i will give you a bit of a fact okay well so um so yeah there's a number one hit in us canada and australia with the flame in 1988 but as far as over here they had one top 30 single one top 30 album which was 1979's cheap trick at but can and that was the live album and that got to number 29 hey. so cheap trick yes 1979 the single so these are the singles now 1979 i want you to want me number 29 so yes it's a top 40 however it's 1979 mm -hmm. do you want to know something about this song yeah. So I'm listening in my car and I start singing to this song and I'm like, why do I know this song? Why? Like, I thought this week was going to be a week where I don't know anything. I know this song. So anyway, when I've then revisited it, I've played it to Connor. I was like, right, do you know this song? Connor was like, yeah, I know this song. That's got to a big cupboard. So I looked it up. This song was covered by... It's a girl band called Letters to Cleo, but weirdly, I don't really recognise that one. I don't, I don't like that one as much as Cheap Trick. But it was in a film. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Uh, it's got Heath Ledger in it. Oh, right. It's a rom-com. But that's why I know that song. So the cover mm. of that song has been in a film. But I prefer this version. It's my favourite out of their songs. Um, and, yeah, it's just really catchy. It's a really good song. Well, I've just looked it up, and you're right. Letters to Cleo, who I can't say I've heard of. Oh, yeah, um, released in 1999. Genre is a pop punk. Um, and um, songwriter Rick Nielsen, who, as we know, is a member of Cheap Trick. Yeah, so there you go. So there you go. It's only because I started um, singing it. Letters to Cleo recorded a version of the song in 1999 for the 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack. Yep. And it was a single but failed to chart. Sad. Yeah, I That's proper know it because of that film. Yeah. And yet it was a chart success for Cheap Trick yeah. in 1979. So hence... They're not really an 80s as far as that. I mean, yeah, most, of their, most of their material released was 80s, yeah. but they weren't hits. Hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so well, interesting. Can't say I've heard of Letters to Cleo, but hey. That's a good film if you want to go watch 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> okay. Um, 1980, Way of the World, number 73. Catchy, it was up their song. It's got a good beat with it, good rhythms. I liked it. 1982, If You Want My Love, number 57. Again, like there's a theme with these, like they're all upbeat, sing along, catchy. Like they, they really grab their audience. Hence being an arena rock group. Yeah, yeah. Band. 1988, The Flame. Now, as we know, this got to number one in the US, mm -hmm. um, Canada, and I think Australia. Yeah. In the UK, 
number 77. However, it was re-released in 1989, but only got to number 87. Oh. Oh. Well, this one was a lot softer compared to the previous three, but the chorus is still upbeat. This one also sounds a bit familiar, so I don't know why that is, but yeah. That one was okay. nearly a favourite, but I Want You To Want Me, was just, it's just too much for a good song. And then um, 1988, Don't Be Cruel, which, as I say, it had moderate success or done well in um, several other countries. Um, over here, number 77. Oh, no, not up there at all. But this one again, upbeat, sing-along, um, like it's memorable. It, yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay. So that was Cheap Trick. trick. So um, we move on now to the weirdest named group I think we've had. Very. Um, So Our Daughter's Wedding. Yeah. Like we've had some odd ones, haven't we? But like the odd ones that we've had have just been weird. This is just like, why? So... Yeah, I'd love to know if you found out why. I listened to one other song because I only had one for these. So I listened to Red Alert and it was just loads of sounds. So I went with synth pop for these. They've definitely played a lot, played around with a synthesizer, you know, and the pro the program sounds. Um Red Alert, you can just not really hear the vocals at all. There's no video for Lawn Chairs, and there was no video for Red Alert either. But there were like promo pictures, like you know, when there, so it could probably be album covers, don't know. So I think there is threesome, and the pictures that I saw, like they were black and white, so it's harder to see features as much in black and white, especially back then. But it makes them look similar, they all dress in black, they've all got dark eyes, they've got dark hair, styled kind of the same. Um, okay. Yeah, so not much in that sense. Comments. So I looked at the comments on lawn chairs. Um, people have said it's an iconic song, and loads of people have seen them live and think they're amazing. So, yeah. mm. so our daughter's wedding were Lane Wicko on synthesizer, Keith Silver on vocals and keyboards, and Scott Simon on bass. They were formed yeah. in 1979, New York. Right. Synth pop new wave band. Okay. So, so the although the band were formed in New York, mm-hmm. both Silver and Rico were from California. Okay, uh, the so name cool. came from a DIY photo album, which Silver had seen and said, it's so simple, it's disgusting. You buy a little photo album and get a stencil to write something on the cover like, Baby's First Year, or Our Daughter's Wedding. And hence, they called the band Aww. Our Daughter's Wedding. So at least they picked Our Daughter's Wedding rather they... than Baby's First Year. Yeah. It would have been called Baby's First Year, I suppose. That would have been a bit but, weirder, I think. Yeah. Ah, wouldn't that, what made someone turn around of the three and say, what did you just say? I said, there was this crap photo album. You write on it what you want. You know, Our Baby's First Year, Our Daughter's Wedding. Yeah, that. That could be the name of a band. And they all went, yeah, great. What? You know. (sighs) I mean, it gives them a story behind the name, but I don't know. (sighs) 
Uh, I mean, it could have been worse. He could have seen a tin of paint that said something on it, you know, and he could have said, yeah, there's just tins of paint. There were some weird names and like, I don't know. Oh, don't yeah. But anyway, that's how they got their name. From a oh, photo dear. album that you could write. And it was just a random photo album as well. Yeah, yeah. So the band released their first single, Lawn Chairs, uh, which they independently funded oh. and um, released with the single reaching number 31 on the Billboard Disco chart. In 1981, they released an EP, Digital Cowboy, through EMI America, with the EP recorded in England at Chipping Norton Studios. And featured the uh, singles Target for Life, which was said to sound like Talk Talk. Uh, the other tracks on the EP were Lawn Chairs, Red Alert, Dance Floor and No One's Watching. Although the band recorded a single called Digital Cowboy, bear in mind the EP is called Digital Cowboy, it was not included. And it wasn't released until Scott Simon recorded it with new band Hyperbubble for their 2017 album, Western Wear. So mm. um, they uh, recorded it in 1981, but it didn't actually get released until Hyperbubble and different mm. group with just one of their um, the bassists, Scott Simon. And it's on their 2017 album, if you want to listen to it, called Western Wear. So that's... Um, Digital Cowboy. Um, so in 1982, the band released their second and final studio album called Moving Windows. However, the album, along with the singles Auto Music and Elevate Her, didn't chart. So the album, all the two singles, never charted. Right. EMA, EMI lost interest in the band following the release of another single, Take Me. So finding themselves locked to a recording contract with no tour, the band oh. broke up. So they're locked in a contract, but they, yeah. but they can't afford to tour the album. Mm -hmm. So the album flopped because it wasn't promoted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the band broke up, which we've heard before as well. Yeah, yeah. Stresses um, of it all. What's the point in carrying yeah. on when you're not getting anything out of it? Yeah. So following their first album or before before or during their first album, um, obviously with EMI putting money into them, they actually uh, they taught the band supported on tour the following U2. Duran Duran. OMD. Wow. Iggy Pop and Psychedelic Furs. So wow. they, they toured with all these big bands who and went on to be and mega while our daughter's wedding them. went nowhere. Maybe it was because someone said, why are we promoting a band called Our Daughter's yeah, Wedding? Yeah, like it doesn't I give I don't off know, the, right. but, you know. It doesn't give off the vibes of like, hey, we're a synth-pop no. band, come and listen to us. It's, I don't yeah. know. I think that they're wedding bands, so you wouldn't just go buy their, their stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Very odd. So um, even though they um, they split, as I say, in what, 1982-83, following the release of Nightlife, a best of compilation in 2017. Right. The trio reunited in 2012 
with a new record label, Dreamfield Records, right. and they released Life's a Party. So even though they'd, they'd broke up... They've been, yeah, they've come back to each other. Um, a Best Of compilation was released in 2017. Now, I don't know who it was under, whether it was EMI or God, someone else who bought the rights by now. But they would have come um, back before then. Because if they no, came 2000, back... two, sorry, 2007, 2007, right. a best of was released, right. Nightlife, and then the trio reunited in 2012 on the back of that. Right, I'm with you, I'm getting you now. And then yeah. um, released Life's a Party. Now, Life's a Party, the album didn't chart or anything, um, but the fact is that they came back on the back of a compilation album that was released when they were split up. Ah, someone's kind of helped them now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. So as far as the UK went, no albums, only one single. That was 1981's Lawn Chairs, and that got to number 49. Oh, okay, so it's not too far out. Um, they sing really weird, like there's a strain on the vocals as if they're trying too hard. They've got odd lyrics, because it's literally about lawn chairs. But it does sound very 80s, so they've got the, that sound in there it's just they obviously didn't push it enough and get themselves out there more moving on to b movie b movie so i think they're new wave mostly because i couldn't think of anything else um they've got a more futuristic style again i think these are very early 80s they fit in fit in with like they would have fit in series one i think each song is different so he gave me three and none of them so it's like they've not developed their sound enough so they're still experimenting to see which they like best um there's no videos apart from there was a video for nowhere girl but it was just a scientist so whether that person whether the vocalist played a scientist i don't know but it was just a scientist doing um experiments there weren't as many comments on these ones um, but people were reminiscing and saying they were a great band, saying that um, Remembrance Day was a big, big song, should have been bigger. Okay. So, B-Movie, Steve Hovington on vocals and bass, bass, Paul Statham on guitar, Rick Holiday on keyboards, and Graham Boffey on drums. Formed in 1979, Mansfield, England. Synth okay. pop, new wave. I won't talk about Mansfield because they beat Wimbledon yesterday on the football. <laughs> um, not good um, to, to bring Mansfield up in this um, episode, but anyway. Um, so the band initially released some EPs on the UK indie label, Dead Good Records, mm. um, including Nowhere Girl. Um, the band eventually signed to the Some Bazaar label and their song Moles was released or featured, sorry, on their label's Some Bazaar album, which was to help promote the label's band. So the la record label released an album with to their help. band songs on it to help yeah. promote their band's music. Um, and also to get them out there, yeah. So, right. the album, so it weren't like the, a, the band's album, it was an no, album. It was the, the, the record label album right. featuring their 
stable as you could say no. you know, their, their signed up albums which i thought was a good idea when i was reading it more record labels should have you know yeah. should do that like a little um, you probably get, get some good music on them you know yeah so um because i know mute who erasure assigned to and depeche mode they've got a lot of because they do they do get behind smaller bands and they've got a lot. So, yeah. they, you know, an album by Mute with their, um, music on it would be quite good. Yeah. So in 1981, the band signed to Phonogram, um, their subsidiary label, Deram, Deram Records, D-E-R-A-M. Um, the band released Remembrance Day um through them and this was to become the band's biggest commercial success uh the follow-up single marilyn dreams failed to chart however so in 1982 they re-released nowhere girl as a single which also made the uk charts like remembrance day um despite releasing singles the the band had no studio album so they've now released what three three singles but yeah. no studio album. Oh. Did they ever release a studio album? We will um, come to that. Okay. So the band changed personnel with drummer Boffy leaving. He was replaced with Andy Johnson, while Martin Winter also joined on bass. So in 1983, Holiday left uh, to form another band, Six Set Red meaning Paul Stephen changed from guitar to keyboards. Johnson, who had obviously just come in to replace Boffy on drums, he then left and was replaced by Al Cash. The band then released another single, A Letter From Afar, which also made the UK charts. However, then Cash left the band, leaving B-Movie as a trio, Hovington on vocals, Statham on keyboards and guitar and Winter on bass. At the end of 1985, the band released a studio album. Oh, so they finally released one. Yeah, on Sire Records called Forever Running. So these guys have gone through some record labels as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so not only personnel, but record labels. And they've gone through some quite a few singles before they've even released an album. So, yes, yeah, so in 1985, they signed to uh, Sire Records, or at least released an album through Sire Records. Um, what, well, they would have signed to them, but it might have been just an album deal or something. You don't know. Um, so they um, released Forever Running, and it contained a re-recorded version of Remembrance Day and Nowhere Girl. Um, but both the album and its release single, Switch On, Switch Off, were flops. So their one album was a flop. Um, despite the band touring to promote the album and single, the band broke up soon after. They obviously realised it just wasn't going to be. To be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, short-lived were Sorry. the B-movies. But they kind of, even though they were short-lived, they still got about, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, three singles released in the UK. As we said, 1981, Remembrance Day, got to number 61. And that was, as I say, their biggest commercial success, but still a long way off the top 40. Yeah, quite a far out. Um, It's a bit catchy, 
but the vocals are a bit odd like they they sound a bit creepy they've got a good use of sounds and i've even written maybe it won't release at the right time mm. but then it's their biggest single elsewhere so and you just think you know number 61 obviously that meant that they wouldn't have been on top of the pops or anything had it yeah. got higher you just don't know what route that band could have taken if they got onto the top and of the you pop. can't like yeah hindsight's a beautiful thing but with things like this it's like mm, you can't you've just got to roll with it because what's done is yeah. done isn't it so 1982 nowhere girl we know it had three releases <laughs> the first one that obviously didn't do anything the the re-release which is this one and then the um re-recorded version for the the actual album which also didn't come in well i don't know if they released it because they obviously released switch on switch off they probably it was just for the album actually so they had two releases but anyway this is the second release on the back of remembrance day 1982 nowhere girl number 67 okay this was my favorite out of the three i had it's slow and clear um the only letdown it was like i do like it like it's my favorite it's like really good sounding they've got repetitive sounds in now i feel like they could have done a bit more with them a bit more with the backing sounds and then lastly 1984 a letter from afar number 81 okay this is just more of an instrumental there's not much body to it at all okay so we move on to the Go-Go's. Yeah. So these were pop rock in my head. I think they maybe were more rock than pop, but I definitely think there's elements of both. Um, it's quite nice to have a girl band. Like I feel sorry for the girl bands, really, because like in the 80s, you didn't. there aren't many girl bands at all. So I can understand why they maybe didn't make it. It was definitely a man's world in the 80s. Um, I'm wondering whether these are bigger elsewhere because their music is like proper music. Like it's lyrics, it sounds, it's put together really well. It's lyrical, like it's got everything. It's like a whole package. Like, and I feel like it's very, it's a very mutual sound in music, as in it could probably target quite a few people. Like, it's not a specific genre. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the synth pop, you can have it more programmed. So it, only goes down one line to get the audience whereas this gets everyone i think um i think it's more of a group than a band there's five women and i don't think they any of them played instruments i think they were just singers and all took it in turns um they just you know do a bit of smart casual where nothing really stands out about their style or how they look they were just women doing their thing um some comments the songs put people in a good mood and there are a lot of people saying that they're underrated. Mm. Well, they must be underrated because you've just done them a disservice. So the Go-Go's, Belinda Carlisle, oh, vocals. Jane Will, Will Widekin, W-I-E-D-K-I-N. Oh, no, sorry, L-I-N. Widelin? Widelin. Let's say Widelin. Yeah. Uh, rhythm guitar. Oh, okay. They did play instruments. Well, in the videos... Margot Lavania, bass. However, she left in 1980 and was replaced by Kathy Valentine on bass. Right. And Elisa, or Eliza, 
Bello on drums, who left in 1979 and was replaced with Gina Shock on drums. Right. Um, and also Charlotte Cafe Guitar joined in 1979. So they were formed in 1978 in Los Angeles, California. And they are a power pop, pop rock, new wave band. Band, yeah, but in the videos, they, I just didn't see them playing the instruments, so you can see why. So, since they were formed in 1978, the band's mainstay members have been Belinda Carlisle, Jane Wildlin, Gina Shock, and Charlotte Cafe. C A double F E Y, that is. Um, with Kathy, Kathy Valentine joining in 1980. The band are widely considered as the most successful all-female rock band of all time. Have been. Why would I have them now? Because they never, they never done it in the UK. Right. So the people that are probably commenting on YouTube are British, saying they're underrated. We should, like, do you know what I mean? Because how could they be the biggest of all time? And that's, that's what I'm trying to say is... They probably are underrated in the UK. Yeah, because it makes so, and hence I'm now talking about them because they're not a group, you know, that have done much here. Have, um, really um, hit my um, radar. Radar, yes. So in 1981, the band released their debut album, Be Beauty and the Beast, which oh. topped the Billboard Hot 200 oh. album chart. So their first album, Straight to Number One. Wow. A still unequaled first for an all-female band who write their own material and play their own instruments. The, they're just an up there then, aren't they? So the album is also considered to be the pioneer of new wave music, paving the way for other American acts. So not only are they female, but they were the first new wave act in a sense or at least yeah. as far as doing big things yeah so the album also saw two singles our lips are sealed which got to number 20 and we got the beat which got to number two on the billboard hot 100s chart the oh. album itself stayed at number one for six weeks and saw the band nominated for a grammy of best new as best new artist however they missed out on collecting the award to sheena easton okay. two more albums were released vacation in 1982 which saw the single vacation reached number eight on the billboard hot 100 and talk show in 1984 which taught, saw two singles head over hills get to number 11 and turn to you number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100. The band then broke up in 1985 with the members embarking on solo careers. Obviously, Belinda Carlisle, as we all know, being the most successful, not just in America, but internationally. In 2021, the band were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh. The band have had several reunions and even released a retrospective best of album, Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's, which featured three new recordings, including The Whole World Lost Its Head, which was released as a single, reaching number 21 on the Billboard Modern Rock chart 
And then in 2001, the band even released their fourth studio album, God Bless the Go-Go's. As far as the UK go, they had one top 30 single. Oh, that's it. However, it wasn't in the 80s. Okay. The Go-Go's, you had three singles. 1982, Our Lips Are Sealed, number 47. Bad, though. That's my favourite one. It's very catchy, upbeat, fun, and it's got a little bit of a familiar sound. I can't quite put my finger on it. Okay. 1991, Cool Jerk, number 60. They play around with the rock a bit more in this one. And I feel like it's got a little bit of a hint of like, I don't know, like 50s inspiration, like 50s rock and roll in there. Um, Yeah, it was good, though. Okay, And then 1995, the whole world lost its head. Number 29. See, this was my least favourite of theirs. Yet this is the one that hit over here. It's yeah. just a bit repetitive, and it's got quite a big rock sound in it. Um, okay. so yeah, it's just a bit too much for me anyway, but obviously not for others. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as um, obviously big in, in America, mm-hmm. um, but um, didn't really do it over in the UK, which we, we have seen with plenty of... Um, US bands, and we've seen it the other way with the the UK not doing so well in in the US. So yeah, yeah, this they are prime They're example. Just, it's just a flip well, side of it. That so far, uh, Devo, Cheap Trick, and the Go Go's have all yeah, been have all done really well over there. Well in America, but not, yeah, not over here. And likewise, you know, um, Australia, Canada. So these done well again in Australia, Canada, New Zealand. But as far as Europe go, not not mm. as well. Yeah. So like their album, um, I'm just quickly looking here. Our lips are sealed. No, sorry, we got. Sorry, these are sing singles. So our lips are sealed. Number twenty in the US. Um, it also got to number fifteen on the uh, mainstream rock chart in the US. Got to number ten on the US dance chart, but obviously as the as the Billboard Hot to one one hundred, it got to number twenty, mm-hmm. which is all good. In Australia, it got to number two, Canada number three, and then got number forty seven in the UK. <laughs> yeah, it's very big uh, difference, isn't it? Big difference. Mm. Um, and it's the same. We've, we've got the beat number two in the US, number seven on the mainstream rock in the US. Number three in Canada. Didn't even chart anywhere else. Oh, well. But I guess you're going to stay where you're getting hits, aren't you? You're not going to try and make it somewhere when if you've done one and it's flopped, why are you going to try and carry on? Um, And only one of their albums have charted in the UK, which was Vacation, um, and it only got to number 75. Yet in the US, their first album, Beauty and the Beast, got to number one. Vacation got to number eight. Talk Show got to number 18. Uh, God Bless the Go-Go's, which obviously was released much later, that got to number 57, so not so good. But um, even in Canada, Beauty and the Beast got to number two. Uh, Vacation got to number 24. Also got to number 18 in Sweden. Wow. Um, Obviously, Home of ABBA. 
Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, not not so good in not, the UK. Not over here. So uh -huh. we move on to the last band of today, The Fix. The Fix. Yes. So I've gone with Rock for these. Um, the vocals are really good. Like they've got a strong vocalist. Like they're actually really talented. They go quite deep with their lyrics, making you think about the world we live in, or like I don't know, like previous things like wars, or just like what's going on. That bit of they want a bit of peace in the world. I think um, they've put a bit of time into their videos. Like they've got great cinematics. Like it's like it tells a story, but there's lots going on. They're quite dark. Um, people in the comments have compared them to. You too. Um, they get a lot of love and they're described as one of the best forgotten groups of the 80s. Well, there you go. Mm. So, The Fix. Cy Kernin on vocals, Adam Woods on drums, Rupert Greenall on keyboards, Jamie West Orham on guitar and Charlie Barrett on bass. Uh, Charlie Barrett left in 1983 and was replaced with Dan K. Brown. They were formed in 1979 in London and they are a pop rock new wave band. Okay. So the Fix, although formed in 1979, they were originally called Portraits until 1980. So... So Although they, the fix, it says they were formed in 1979. They weren't known as the fix until so, 1980. Right, okay. Um, so following the departures of two founder members, Tony McGrail guitar and Russell McKenzie on bass, portraits were formed after Cy Kernin and Adam Woods placed an ad for additional members, which okay. McGrail, McKenzie and keyboardist Rupert Greenall got recruited on the back of. Mm -hmm. Um so Portraits released two singles and a on Arista Records, Little Women in 1979 and Hazards in the Home in 1980. So later in 1980, Russell McKenzie left. He was replaced on bass by Charlie Barrett. And then Tony McGrail left to be replaced by James Westorham on guitar. And it was then that the band changed their name to The Fix. And The Fix was with one X then. Oh. So they're still not the the actual fix. They're still the fix, but not with two X's. Okay, was the fix then that it? Because someone on the comments referred to them as the fixture. Oh, but no, that's as far as I know, it's just the fix. I've got nothing oh, okay. about the fixture. Okay. Um, so the fix released a single, Lost Planes, for 101 records in February 1981. And received some radio exposure on the BBC. So the fix is, so this raised the fix's profile and led to the band being offered a recording contract with MCA Records. However, the recording contract came with a condition to change their name as the record label were worried about the potential drug user implication, as in the fixer. Fix the fix. So yeah, I don't see it. But there yeah. we go. So a compromise was reached with the band changing to The Fix with two X's right. rather than one. Yeah. So that's how they ended up with two X's. Yeah. But they're still called The Fix because you can't say, yeah, it's The, the Fix yeah. with two X's. Double X. Fix. Yeah. Double, yeah. So it's still, and, but the, the, the record, the, the MCA agreed with it. 
just <laughs> mind-boggling. So you still so we don't like the fix. It sounds drug-related. Okay, can we call ourselves the fix? But two X's. Two X's. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Because written down. When you but... read it out, who 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 is it? The fix. Well, what the drug people? No, 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 no the fix. Fixes. Oh, yeah! okay, that's fine. I mean, the eighties are mad. That sums them up. Literally. We're putting our X on. And it, it doesn't sound the whole it, it, that changes the whole meaning, not not to relate to drugs. Yeah, that's fine. Even yeah. though when the, when it, when their when names get out on um, the radio, and here's the fix, it's still the same. But there we go. I wonder whether they did read it out any differently. So yeah, well, how can you read it out any? Here's the fix with two X's. What is that? The song? It you just can't, fix. can you? Fix, <laughs> fix, fix. You can't. It's uh, just another eighties weird way of doing things. Yep, so, yeah. so a deal was signed on the back of them putting another X on their name. You know. However, Barrett left the band after recording their debut album, Shuttered Room, in nineteen eighty two. This album featured both of the band's biggest hits uh within in the UK. Uh, while Stand or Fall reached number seven on the Billboard Mainstream Rock. Oh, rock. Okay. Red Skies peaked at number 13, also on the Mainstream Rock in the US. So they didn't make the Billboard Hot 100, but they deal, did make the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart, which is still, you know, quite... Yeah. Quite, you know, it's still something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Barrett was replaced with Alfie... Agius, A G I U S, Agius, Agius. I never know how to pronounce these know. names. Yeah, um, however, his stay with the band was short-lived, as he left during the recording of the band's second album. In fact, he only only um, contributed to four of the tracks. Um, so yeah, so he left during the recording of the second album. Reach the beach. Um, although Agius is credited as co-writer on all of the album's tracks good though but then so, yeah he was only there for four he of them he was only there for four but he's got credit for um, all of them oh, well he's had an easy job and he so it, might, it might have been just there for unless the recording wrote, of four they might have already written that, and then that he recorded four um, so yeah so that's reach the beach um as in the album even though um he only recorded four tracks including the two singles, Saved by Zero and One Thing Leads to Another, which both of them charted well in America, with Saved by Zero reaching number nine on the Billboard mainstream rock. And um, One Thing Led to Another became the biggest hit when peaking at number two on the mainstream rock. So um, although he had only a little... Oh. A little, so he only wrote four or only recorded, should we say, four tracks of them um, mm. and co wrote them. One of one of them was their, you know, well, both of them are their biggest hits. So maybe yeah. they should have kept so maybe you should have, yeah, yeah. Um, just shows you how things changing personnel can, um, can lead to success or, or also go the other way, I suppose. So yeah. in this case, unfortunately, it may well have been the. The latter. Yeah. The latter. Um, 
obviously he gave them success to begin with, obviously by yeah, when he joined yeah. them, but obviously because he joined late and he wasn't an original member. It's not like they suddenly less lofts the engine. He was only he mm. came halfway through anyway, but obviously had a big impact. Um, so yeah, uh, regarding the album, um, I was going to say because I hadn't written it down, but the album done quite well as well. Um, it got to number eight in Canada and number eight in the US on the uh, hot top. So, yeah, the album done really well. Um, yeah. so this Alfie Agius, who was the only difference, um, yeah, has obviously, um, yeah, impact. made a big impact, yeah. So, yeah, and also the uh. The hit One Thing Leads to Another, which, as I say, got to number two on the Billboard Mainstream Rock at number uh, on number four. Sorry, it got to number four on the Hot 100 as well. Oh, so it got to number two in the Mainstream Rock, yeah, number four on the, on, the, on the Hot 100. And mm -hmm. it also became their first number one when taking top spot in Canada. So that's done really well. So that single done really well. Yeah. Um, was it a single you had? Yes. We'll see how well it done over here when well, we come to it. One thing well. leads to another. Okay, we remember that one. So, yeah, so that single done really well, um, as did that album. And as I say, it, it was obviously this Alfie Agius, as mm -hmm. I would call him. Uh, apologies to him if he's listening, and I've said it wrong. Um, had an impact on the, on the band's um, style of music or writing yeah, of music, definitely. obviously. Yeah, definitely changed it. Um, so up. yeah. However, the singles were both flops in the UK. We saved by zero, not even making the top one hundred when it got to one hundred and one. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. That. So the band's follow-up album, Phantoms, which obviously now Alfie Asius is not to do with. Yeah. Saw the single Are We Ourselves top the Billboard mainstream rock chart and get to number 15 on the Hot 100 singles chart. Although it only charted at number 29 in Canada on the back of the last one being number one. While the follow-up single Sunshine in the Shade reached number 37 on the mainstream rock chart. The album itself, Phantoms, um, got to... Number 18 in Canada and 19 in the US, uh, whereas the previous one got to number eight in both. But it's still not bad. It's still top 20. Yeah, yeah. So the band's fifth studio album, Calm Animals, uh, released in 1989. Oh, no, sorry, I've missed out. Fourth album. Going a oh. bit ahead of myself. Uh, so fourth album. Walkabout, which was released in 1986, that saw another single go to the top of the Billboard mainstream rock for the band with Secret Separation, while follow-up single Built for the Future peaked at number 13. Okay. I'm getting confused because there's so many there's singles. A lot. Yeah. Like... I'm, just, I'm just checking which chart it got to. So yeah, main the mainstream rock chart. Oh, okay, so not like the mainstream chart, just the no. rock. 
And then the other single from this album, Built for the Future, didn't chart on the Hot 100, but did get to number 13 on the mainstream rock chart. Okay. Hi. So they're quite big on the mainstream rock chart and they're, they're doing okay on the, on the Billboard chart, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, so that's fourth album, Walkabout. Now the album itself got to number... 30 in the US. So that's still not bad. No, not bad, but they've had a number 8 and a number 19, and then they got number 30. So it is like a decline, but it's still up there. They're still getting their sales, aren't they? Yeah. So then the band's fifth studio album, Calm Animals, released in 1989, um, which got to number 72 in the U in the billboard 200 chart so so it is you can see the decline 8 19 30 72 and it's going down in large chunks however single wise driven out became their third number one on the mainstream rock chart and also got to sorry um Got to number 11 on the Hot Billboard 100. So their singles for that. So, so, yeah, so their singles are still doing well. Yeah. Um, their sixth album, Inc., was their first album released in the 90s, uh, yeah. when it was released in February 1991, although it only reached 111 on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. So as you can see, it's gone. Yeah. We're not even in and the again. Top. We're still in. Uh, obviously, it's top I mean, hot 200. Top, yeah. yeah, but it's you know compared to when they had one at number eight, it's, it's yeah, um, when reached the beach. Um, it was to be the band's last album to chart after oh. their following five albums released between 1998 and 2022 all oh. failed. They kept going then. So yeah, still, still recording. I guess if you like 2022, um, which I'm just looking up was. Uh, so every five seconds released on the third of June 2022 didn't chart anywhere, but they're still releasing. Yeah. Inc. also saw the band's last charting single when How Much Is Enough charted at number 11 in the Billboard mainstream rock chart and number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, while it also charted at number 27 in Canada to become their fourth top 40 single in that country. So the band has seen a success in both America and Canada, especially in the early 80s, when second album, Reach the Beach, in 1983, made number eight in both countries, Canada and the US. Uh, their main album charts, uh, in both of those countries' main album charts. And in 1984's Phantoms reached number 19 in the US and number 18 in Canada. However, the band had limited success internationally, with minor success in both the Netherlands and New Zealand. But otherwise, nothing else. Um, As far as the UK went, they had two top 100 albums. So 1982's Shuttered Room got to number 54, while 1983's Reach the Beach, which, as we say, got to number eight in both 
the US and Canada. And over here, it got to number 91. Oh, okay. Mm. So, regarding their singles. Cool. Let's see what these do. Let's see. So, first of all, we've got to 1982's Stand or Fall. Now, mm -hmm. Stand or Fall, elsewhere, got to number seven in the US rock, mainstream rock chart. Um, it got to number 76 on the Billboard chart. Um, and it got to number 37 in Canada, while number 33 in Australia. In the UK, it got to number 54. Oh, yeah, it's a bit out there, isn't it? Um it had a good beat, and this is where I really noticed the good vocals, like the, the like the talent in there. Okay, it's short and simple. Mm -hmm. What's other people said about them? Um, they compared them to you too. Oh, Got yeah. a lot of love. Described them as one of the best forgotten groups of the eighties. Mm. So, Red Skies got to number thirteen on the US mainstream rock chart and number 20 in the US Billboard Hot 100 chart um, didn't do as well in Canada as, as the previous single getting a number 45 and certainly didn't do as well in Australia number 98 okay. um, and here in here we got to number 57 they're in the 50s here they're consistent um, there, this one was probably one of my least favourites of theirs. There's a lot going on sound-wise, so there's just a lot to listen to all at the same time. The only good, the good thing about it was the lyrics were quite catchy. Okay, so 1983, as I've already said, Saved by Zero flopped here at 101, so you didn't have that. However, their other single, One Thing Leads to Another which did very well elsewhere, got to number two in the US mainstream rock chart, number four in the US hot 100 chart, and got to number one in Canada. In Australia, it got to number 38. Over here, number 86. Oh, that's not good. This was my favourite one, though. Um, gets you moving. It's fun, upbeat. Like, it, it's quite different to the other two, like, with the sound wise that like it's more musical than just experimenting with all the sounds together but yeah it, it got me okay. so I enjoyed that and lastly 1986 secret separation um elsewhere it got to number one in the u.s mainstream walk chart number 19 on the u.s billboard hot 100 Number 49 in Canada, and over here it got to number 83. Ooh. So that actually means that one thing leads to another, which was their only number one hit in Canada, where they got worst number one, although it did well in the billboard as well, was their worst hit over here. Secret Separation actually did better at 83. Ooh. Well, Secret Separation, it was a complete flip on their other songs. It was very soothing, very calm, but it was a nice one to end the week with. Okay. That brings us to the end. Mm -hmm. So something a bit different. Yes. Because I don't think 
it should be about me influencing you because these bands didn't influence me i suppose what i need to know is do you think they should have been bigger yeah so did they impress you enough that they Mm -hmm. you think they should have been like some people are saying and i think uh, i think some of them are just unfortunate because they're american based and probably didn't have the promotion over here yeah um while others like um who it was who was it was it b movie from mansfield obviously english um obviously yeah for whatever reason didn't make it big over here anyway Mm. um so yeah so should they have been big or should they not have been big i suppose is is what we look at so devo devo so i think they should have done better in the 80s um there are groups that i've had that sound like these like you know like with the similar sounds Mm. of the synthesizer so i think these should have been bigger I wouldn't have listened to them personally, but I think they should have, based on what I have listened to, in like all the way back in series one, I think they're on the same level. So I think what went against them is one, obviously being American. Yeah, and maybe being that bit too early. And I, I, as you said earlier, maybe they were a bit too early. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got overseen by all the others that come through. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Cheap trick. Cheap Trick, they were my favourite band of the week. So with me, they're great. And I think they should have done better as well. I just don't understand how it flopped so much over here. Like, But like we say, like it must have been the promotion. They didn't get promoted over here. I think yeah. that something they should have been put into them a bit more and they would have been a lot bigger over here, I think. Especially when you think they had I Want You Want... I, I want, want you to want me, yeah. which was their only hit over it, obviously nineteen ninety nine, and then nothing happened after that. It's, yeah, oh, so and yet the flame, think... what you know, it obviously did very well elsewhere, and it was a complete flop over here. Yeah. So. So you don't know. So, yeah. Okay. Our daughter's wedding. So with me, no go. Um, they've only had one song. It's very instrumental. I think they could have been a bit more lively to be able to compete with what was out around at the time. So I don't think they they should have been right. a hit. Like I think okay. them being a flop just stands out for them. Maybe so, I mean one their name. Yeah, see, maybe if they had a different know. name. And they're and thinking about launches. And I was going to say, and then even their single launches. Maybe they should have sung about lunches are everywhere. Like someone <laughs> did say, maybe they may have done better than lawn chairs because we never know. Yeah, we never know. But yeah, unfortunately, not um, our daughter's wedding. No, I think I think that's fine how it is. B movie. Um, again, for me, these are a no go. But um, I also think in the eighties, I think uh, I, right if they. Were taken a bit more time to find their sound they may have got but they were a bit here there and everywhere like they hadn't stuck to one type of sound um they experimented a bit too much so i don't think they got the fan base in their sales so i think they let themselves down so i don't think they should have got better than they did i think they're all right where they are okay the go-go's belinda carlisle's 
group. But then she went off and did and something solo, didn't she? So, yes. yeah, she she did well. Uh, for me, these are great. They're a proper group, although now we and know that they are a band, so that's my bad. Um, I don't understand why they weren't bigger. They produced decent music and were a very solid group, so I think they should have been promoted more. I think they should have had more behind them and should have been bigger. Which, as we now know, they were big in America. And yeah, well. I think they should have been promoted over, over here. here. So, yes. And finally, the fix with two X's. <laughs> Nothing to do with the drug people. No. Um, they're not a hit with me at all, but I think they could have been bigger as they seem to have a lot of love based on looking at comments. Um, the songs just weren't strong enough. I think they should have put a bit more into it and they could have been bigger. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah, as well as I've just thought as well when it was drug, I'm thinking of the per the fix up. It's not. It's did you get your fix? Have you had your yeah. fix today? Isn't it? It's that. You only just but, thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was yeah. like to do with the fixer or something like that. No. Right? Being that a person who's obviously into drugs, I wouldn't need know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, neat. That's what I was going to say. What the double X means that that doesn't. I don't still. Don't I get think that they thing. must pronounce it fix. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, um, what? Ray and Fritz are half and half. Half should have been a, been bigger than they were, or at least over here, shall I say, internationally. And um, the others, you agree with, they they probably were best oh, not to uh, have been bigger. Have um, sorry. Oh, or probably could have been bigger. I think or, the fix there. Oh, um, I put no for the fix. No, I think the fix could have done a lot more if they worked on their songs a bit more and got that okay. promotion so i just didn't enjoy the fix personally yeah. so devo cheap crick the go-go's okay. and the fix should really have been a bigger part yeah. to play in especially, music. especially the go-go's and cheap trick but that's probably yeah. because i really enjoyed I them think, as well yeah and all but also they did have a success in america did, exactly. this not, and and you know australia music but not over here or at least in Europe. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for next week's um, non-charting bands? Yes, I am. Okay. Let's see how they go. The Mood. Mm -hmm. Fashion. Okay. Naked Eyes. Brewer. Mm -hmm. Agents Aren't aeroplanes? Wall of Voodoo. Okay, some odd names there as well, but very odd we roll names. With it. Yes. We so see. the mood, fashion, naked eyes, fur, agents aren't aeroplanes, and the Wall of Voodoo are who okay. you will be listening to next week or. This coming yeah, week, we'll have to discuss next week. Yeah. Okay. See what they do. So I shall send their singles over to you. Hopefully you can find mm -hmm. them. I mean, luckily you managed to find them all this week. Yep, I, I think that is because they were big in America. And yeah, obviously most yeah. of these um, platforms are American that you listen to. Yeah. Whether um, it will be the same when you come to English. I will uh, let you know. Hands may be a bit different, but mm -hmm. yes. Okay. So 
that brings me to the end us to the end of this episode yeah i'll get listening so, yeah so until next time i will say goodbye bye dad see you <laughs>